0: Most orientations are we telling you what we are about. Our orientation has built in. You tell us who you are. about. Oh, I love it.
1: Welcome back to the Faculty Factory podcast. I'm Kim Skorupski here at Hopkins. And with us today is a brand new guest to the Faculty Factory, Dr. Newton Vaidya. Newton, how are you? I'm well, thank you. How are you? I'm really great. I'm excited to see you, and I I remember you from so many years back in the GFA, the Group on Mm -hmm. Faculty Affairs, and I was so glad that Dr. Archie Chatterjee recommended you for the podcast. Would you please start, Newton, by telling everyone who you are, what you do with the Chicago Medical School? Sure. So, as you said, I'm
0: Newton Vaidya. I'm uh, the Vice Dean for Faculty Affairs and equity at Chicago Medical School. And prior to that, I was senior associate dean for academic learning environment, before it was faculty development, and then
1: before that chair of psychiatry. So I've been around. Oh my goodness. Well, I can't wait to get into the conversation today. What is it you wanted to share with the faculty factory audience? Okay, so one of the things that uh, in this new role,
0: um, what I have found, which I've always known, that being a community medical school, we have unique challenges vis-a-vis our faculty. We have a very diverse faculty base. So we have our faculty that are at our clinical affiliate. We have faculty that are in private practice. We have faculty that are at uh, federal healthcare centers. And then we have faculty who are, uh, you would say on-campus faculty. And one of the struggles that we've always had, and as a chair, I've had that problem uh, as well, was that we don't have a clinical base at Chicago Medical School. We have a clinic, but it is not as a a hospital. So it's not represented by all specialties and um, all disciplines. And because of that, almost all of our clinical faculty are affiliate based. So, what when we talk about full-ranked faculty, the tenure-track faculty and clinical educator-track faculty, all our clinical educator-track faculty are at our affiliate, mm. and the payment structure is very varied. So, some uh, uh, faculty are paid to do the uh, teaching. Some are, is part of their uh, um, employment at the affiliate. So that makes it very hard to think about uh, a common theme and um, common faculty development programs for these faculty. So what we have done, and I have to give a shout out to our uh, dean because I always say that she's the engine that drives um, some of the faculty affairs uh, and faculty development uh, projects here, because as you know, she has a background um, in um, faculty affairs. So it's wonderful to have a champion of faculty in the dean's
1: office. Yeah, you are very fortunate to have Dr. Chatterjee. She knows it. (laughs) (laughs) And so what we have done, and which I'm actually
0: quite proud in terms of is that we have created two major uh, program and initiatives. Uh, One of them um, is a a leadership program. And um, we, before Dr. Chatterjee came, majority of my faculty development um, work was focused on development of faculty as educators, not as much career development. And it actually stems from the fact that our faculty are not on campus, but um, we didn't focus at all on um, uh, leadership at all levels. So in last um, uh, year and a half, what we have done is we have created several leadership um, Programs. We have a senior leadership program, which are designed in a different way than our mid-career leadership program and our early career leadership program. Uh, senior leadership uh, programs are much more case-based, uh, discussion-based, uh, uh, literature-based um, programming. Uh, in um, mid-career uh, leadership, is much more what you would. uh, expect to be a standard um, uh, leadership program that is around. Our early career leadership program is designed to what is almost like CEO of one. It is like they can, we teach them basic leadership skills, but don't expect them to go into one area of leadership or other area of leadership. They could go anywhere or they may choose not to be leader, but they are leader of their own life. I like that, CEO of one, that's Yes, a, a great. <laughs> I have to give my husband credit, that's his line of CEO of one. Well, of good, husband.
1: good husband, he's a keeper.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes, I've been married 42 years, so he is um, keeper. Anyway, so that's something, and we also have, and this is a shout out to your prior institution, Rush, that Rush um, Medical School and us, we have developed some joint career development programs. And this is one of the few uh, programs that I know of where two institutions have created these programs, which are uh, led by Rush, and supported by us and now we have added a third medical school for this year but we do uh, the programming for both schools so it's like economy of scales yes that's
1: great and i'm and i'm I'm interviewing susan chubinskaya again next week on the podcast oh great (laughs) yeah so let her know that i said that of course
0: um so um that's the one uh program that we do it and i'm thinking Uh, I'm very happy about that achievement that we have.
1: Can I just ask a a follow-up question about your leadership programs? Because I know people are always curious about this. And this is especially unique given your faculty body and how diverse they are. Are these, just can you give us real quick snapshot? Are these cohort programs that are uh, longitudinal programs or are they boot camp like all squished into one weekend? How many times do they meet? Is it three, four hours, half a day? Can you give us a sense of uh, sure. the operations or the logistics of that? Uh, sure. Times? So our
0: senior leadership program is a cohort program. So I'll tell you what we have done. And as I told you that these are not years and years, we have just started in right. a couple of years Uh, So senior leadership program, what we did was we started out by asking people what areas they think they uh, are, um, they consider themselves as deficient. And it was very interesting because, of course, at senior leadership, they're not going to be admitting that they are deficient on it. So we said, okay, what area you would like to learn more about? Uh And then we had a list of program. And what we did Because that was the time where we did a lot of work um, in my office and myself was we created cases uh, on each topic. And based on those cases, I created discussion points and I gave the material to each leader. And I said, you're the facilitator. Take it, add to it, edit it. But this is the base discussion you need to have. And so we went through all of them. Oh, wow. Um, uh, uh, we have, I think, eight or 10 senior leaderships in Dean's cabinet, and everybody went through that. So that was um, uh, where people got the taste of what it is, and people were very engaged. So the second session of it is that now I'm not telling them what to do. Now I said, you sign up, each forum is yours, you decide what you're going to talk about. Ooh. And they are picking and talking about it. And it is there. And the third portion of this leadership program is that four times a year, I am inviting uh, CEOs um, and um, very high level um, uh, people to come and give talk and then have a meeting with our leadership to have a more like chat. So actually, Wednesday, this week, Uh, Dr. Acosta is coming, and uh, he's going to be talking about how to incorporate diversity um, in your leadership style and how to do that. So this is the senior leadership program. Our mid-career leadership program is almost like a boot camp. We met uh, for eight weeks. They needed to attend a minimum six of the eight thing to get a certificate, okay. and uh, there is going to be a follow up next year where we will use the same case based approach that we've used for the senior leadership for them.
1: Nice, and that boot camp is how many hours do they meet when they meet? Three hours um, yeah. every week. Oh wow! Two, no, two two hours every Three hours week. every week for eight weeks. Every yeah, uh, every Wednesday. In the senior leader program, how often does this cohort meet? Okay, so
0: this cohort uh, meets once a month. Once a month. But we don't create a separate uh, meeting. And this is when it is helpful to have a dean on your side that one of our regularly scheduled meetings
1: we converted into the leadership. There. I see. I see. So it's already the senior leadership program is not for senior faculty per se, but it's for already the leadership that's yes. already senior leaders. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Love it. Okay. So what's, what about that early career program? So the early career is going to be in uh, uh,
0: February. So it's all planned and we are ready to go. we'll do it in um, February and it's going to be open to postdocs, um, chief residents, uh, early career faculty who are within five years of their terminal degree okay. to all not only just on campus but all our off-campus faculty.
1: And how, what is the regularity that they will be meeting? Uh, it would be the same. We will have a weekly meeting, uh,
0: but this is going to be not two hours. We are going to have hourly meetings for about six to eight weeks.
1: Oh, my gosh. That's lovely. Now, I, I, one more question before. I know you have one, something else to talk about, but how can you give us a sense of how in the world this works with three medical schools? How did you leaders all coordinate and then... Just the, the, the things like marketing and getting the people signed up and registration and how did you how you do all the logistics? Oh, oh so first I can tell you more with the uh,
0: two that Rush and us did. And then we'll talk about um, um, how we added the third one, SIU. And we actually are going to uh, present this to GFA meeting next. Uh, time and virtual meeting if it is accepted. Perfect. So what we did was, I think it became as a brainchild from um, Susan and the Dean Chatterjee and myself, we were just talking about what you do, what we do, and should we be collaborating rather than using the resources, because resources are a problem for all of us. That's right. So can we do that? So what kind of programming... You do. So this is the programming that Rush was already doing. Love it. So what we did was Susan and I uh, met. We looked at their program and Susan says, who in your place has um, the skills or interests to be able to do these programs? And we looked at um, this. And so we, in the first year, we divvied up uh, that four I'm going to do, four you do. And uh, because Rush is providing the CME, so Rush was the uh, engine that um, did the operational part of it. And then we each were responsible for um, getting the flyers and everything approved through our own institutions. And um, then we got people in. But what we also did in the topics where um, we knew that, so for example, appointments and promotions, Rush is different than us. Sure. So, what we did was in there, we had a Susan, but I also had my director of faculty affairs talk about it. So, we separated the two schools. So, that's our finances. We separated the schools. Yeah. We had a breakout room based on schools. Sure. All others, it was the things that were common, we yeah. everybody interacted. But we did make sure that uh, panel discussion, at least the programs I put in there, I'm very um, fond of doing panel discussions mm-hmm. in uh, virtual settings, because I think it is too much to listen to one person for more than 15 to 20 minutes. So what I have done is I will have people give 15, 20 minute presentation, and then have panel discussions.
1: Perfect.
0: So that You know, breaks the monotony.
1: Well, that is genius. And kudos to you and to Susan Chubinskaya at Rush for coming together and being so collaborative and so generous. This is a great example of how people are listening to this podcast right now and maybe thinking it's overwhelming. How do I start a new program? I don't have any resources to do a program. I'm new to this area. I'm busy in my clinical practice and I only have a little itty bitty. Time to do this thing. What a great idea that your neighbors mm-hmm. and, and who are our neighbors? Oh my gosh, because of Zoom, your neighbor can be anywhere, anywhere around the yes. world, right? Yes. Zoom squ- squishes us all together so that we're really, really close. So, what a genius idea and a solution to say, let's share and spread the wealth. Mm-hmm. Why, why do you have to have your own leadership program when there's one there and you can add to that? And just grow the pot and grow the yeah. pie, if you will. So I love that. Great, Newton. Thank you for sharing that. Thank you. It's my pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know you have something else. So what, what else would, did you want to share with the faculty? So, so this is something that I um, really,
0: really am very happy because what we're doing is, is um, um, I don't know, other people have done. Because anytime you think you're the only one, there are three other people who have already done that. <laughs> uh, but nobody has published this part of it. Is um, uh, we have, a, as I told you, that our faculty is everywhere and every type of faculty. Uh, particularly, the problem was clinical faculty, because every our students two of their years, for many years, they spend with these faculty, and yet we didn't have a coordinated way of addressing them. You would not believe that everybody got. Rosalind Franklin uh, email, but these faculty already have another email that they use.
1: Mm. To
0: get them to even go to Rosalind Franklin email was not easy. So we needed to have a preferred email uh, group. So we had to go through all, and we have about 1,100 plus uh, off campus faculty and 100 plus on campus. So you can see the one to 10 ratio. So we created this faculty engagement program and it is, um, um, the people that are involved in is clinical science department, uh, our associate dean of clinical affairs and my office. So um, myself, uh, my uh, uh, dean for appointment promotions and recognitions. And then, I brought up a proposal, and again, Archie uh, and other people said it is a good thing, is we created a post, a position of um, director of faculty engagement, clinical faculty engagement, primarily. And right now, it is not a full-time position. So one of our faculty members who was very involved and interested in that, it was a project of passion. So what we did was that this individual's job is, as soon as somebody either shows an interest in becoming our faculty, or if uh, they are, they have become our faculty, a personal email goes from this individual, welcoming them, telling them that, uh, offering the opportunity to meet with them, uh, going over the resources we have. Uh, We also looked into all of our off-campus faculty and many of people were um, assistant professors or instructors forever. Huh. And he said, okay, let's look at who are these people and see whether they want to be promoted right. in their track. So we sent, we reached out to them sending an email that if you are interested, we're here to help. So this is where we are actively engaging them. Wow. We, are, uh, we hold an orientation for faculty every two months, just Excellent. our off-campus faculty. Every two months, wow. Every two months. And um, we talk about them. And it's um, not only, this orientation is different in a sense. Is most orientations are we telling you what we are about. Our orientation has built in, you tell us who you are. about. Oh, I love, it. Oh, and, I love um, it. And it's that most of the time what we did, and at least in our school that we did, that we always told faculty, what are our expectations from faculty? So I paraphrased um, a famous quote saying, not what you can do for Chicago Medical School, <laughs> but what Chicago Medical School can do for you. Wow. So that's, that's a, our uh, motto in my faculty affairs office is
1: what we can do for you. What do you as a faculty member expect from us? Yes. Wow, that's brave. That is really brave to put to put yourself out there and, and yeah, talk about empowering faculty. I can't imagine a more powerful stand. It is. And they I myself am very pleasantly
0: surprised. One is I have a wonderful director of faculty engagement. She's just very, very nice and sweet person. Uh, but the response of the faculty was amazing. And I've been in Chicago Medical School uh, for 30 plus years. Huh. And I'm surprised that, and everybody used to say, oh, volunteer faculty, they're not interested, this or that. No. Once we reached
1: out to them, we were surprised how engaged they were. Can you give us a little, I know maybe you want to talk about this you know next year at the professional development conference and but can you give us a little like taste test of like what kinds of things surprised you what are like one or two things that who knew part-time faculty or off-campus faculty would be blah 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 what are some things that were interesting
0: their desire to be engaged and how grateful they were. And they didn't need to be that. We are grateful that they teach our students, and, and but how grateful they were that we were taking time to um, offer uh, all these uh, services. And um, we told them uh, all the opportunities. And the same way that I was surprised how many of them were interested in getting promoted and wanted to do things that what they could do at the clinical educator uh, track to get promoted. Wow. Wow. And I will be, when I present, we'll be talking about how many we reached. And, uh, And I will give full credit. To um director of faculty engagement, Dr. Dima Arbeck, because she has her own private practice, she's a psychiatrist, and I see her sending these emails all hours of the day. I tell her that she needs to have work-life integration a little bit
1: better. <laughs> okay, so do you, I I hate kind of hate to ask this question because of the now the resource question? I'm imagining that the faculty say, oh my gosh, thank you for reaching out. Thank you for asking. Thank you for seeing us. We so appreciate the, you know, the opportunity, the privilege of teaching and being a part of the faculty. I definitely want to get promoted. I really don't know how to go about doing it. I need help with thus and such. Does that kind of makes you all, you know, makes my heart warm when people are like, yes, thank you. And I need, here's my shopping list of things I need. And I think, oh, I can't give you all that thing. I can't give you your own statistician or administrative. Yeah, I know, I know. So but how you th- there are
0: two things we have done. And which is, um, I think one is, um, again, I'm bringing a Dean because having a supportive Dean is very helpful. So it makes things a little bit easier, but no Dean and no university has unlimited resources. Right. So of course I get no from people for that, there is not, and I'm not even um, upset about those things. But what I have found, which is almost like um, key to happiness in some ways, that I am a psychiatrist, so I strongly believe that human beings, when there are projects of passion, things that people love to do, uh, uh, monetary or even other rewards don't matter as much, I've seen researchers working 100 hours a week for their um, research. Or even I myself, when things I like to do, I would do it when I'll find the time. That's right. So, my job as a wise team has been to find the faculty whose projects of passion have things to do with faculty. So, as I said to you, Dima, we really don't she doesn't have a whole lot of time to do all this work, but she loves to do what she's doing the same way. um, My office also oversees uh, women in medicine program, but um, we also, even though I have an office of diversity and excellence as a separate office, and as you know, the need there are tremendous. So they tend to focus a lot more on underrepresented in medicine, faculty and students but we also have a lot other diverse faculty. So um, what I, we I wanted to create some programming for that. Then I found um, a colleague, a basic science colleague, who's MD-PhD, who is interested in this. And we were able to talk to her. And now in January, we have our first equity program, which is called What is in the Name, and which talks about... Why it is important to um, uh, make an effort to say people's name correctly, okay. and how uh, and it is like Skarupsky is not okay. the easiest to name, and neither is Vaidya, yeah. but it makes a difference. Uh, so it is. It's a wonderful program where um, people who have d- complicated names uh, from Eastern Europe, from uh, Asia, from uh, and which are complicated to American ear. Yeah, That's right. and then so we are going to have a programming which focuses on their side of the story. So Anne, who is not really paid by me, she is a basic science faculty in her um, department. But I had a conversation with her chair, and I said, "Well." This is something she loves, seems to love it. Is it okay if she does a little bit for me? So I go with, I don't want to call it a begging bowl, but I go to their supervisors and get their time. So my assistant dean for um, uh, appointment promotions and recognition is a tenured professor in uh, pharmacology. But I have her time uh, because faculty affairs is her passion. Hmm. The same way um, uh, our director of uh, URM uh, success, he's a physiologist, but that's his passion. So I was able to get some of their
1: time. Hmm. So you're, you're giving me another and giving everyone else another lesson. When you're thinking about putting programs together, we don't need to be, again, so overwhelmed with the idea of, I have to find an expert in this mm-hmm. um, who has published you know, their whole career in this and uh, sent out big advertisements and it's going to be their whole uh, job. Rather, there there are so many people likely in our own community mm-hmm. who just have a heart for this, fill in the top yeah. They have this untapped um, passion and interest and it's sometimes a matter of just Again, being transparent, this is something we need, we're looking for, we want, is there interest? And sometimes, you know, you'd be surprised at how many people say, I would love to do this. I've just never been asked. I didn't know it was an opportunity. I didn't know there was a need. I'm not sure that I have the confidence to do this. So this kind of asking for help and then encouraging, inspiring, nurturing, supporting Mm -hmm. people to do that, and then making sure their efforts are Yes. compensated to some degree either like you're saying through their department director they're getting credit for it yes. or you know, recognized for it yeah rec- it's certainly recognized for it so this is a, another great lesson you're giving us to to look within that so many of us are sitting mm-hmm. on a lot of wealth and gems that we haven't even yes. yet tapped
0: yes because it's you know all universities and all places we have a tendency that um uh, external consultants, external speakers are going to solve our problem. I am a strong belief that they kindled it, mm. but execution has to happen at the institutional level, and it's important. Uh, we have all professionals, highly smart people. They can learn from the experts and then actually create programming which ac- applies to us, like things that apply to. Johns Hopkins are not something we can uh, do it here in Chicago Medical School.
1: Right. We, with the internal validity, we know our culture. Yeah. We, yes. we know uh, the politics. We understand the, the leadership structures and the history. So you're, you're exactly right. I love that uh, the way of thinking about that.
0: And, you know, one of the things that um, happened, and this is where uh, silver lining to a dark, dark, horrible cloud that we call pandemic is um, the virtual and Zoom meeting. I think this is the boon for uh, faculty development. You're right. Before pandemic, we did programming, but because all our faculty are all over, the attendance of off-campus faculty was very, very low. That's right. Mm -hmm. And uh, since uh, pandemic, and now everybody's gotten mm, uh, pretty good at Zoom, and what we have also been able to find times where we don't always faculty development we don't worry about 9 to 5 right we do whenever people will come so we do evening programs uh, as well but the attendance of our um, virtual uh, in at our virtual program particularly the off campus faculty is gone up exactly exactly and so when it looked like in April, we thought that we're going to be done by pandemic in July. I actually had requested to the dean that I want to continue doing some of virtual programming because that's the only way I can get our
1: off-campus faculty. So much more efficient. And we, you're right. We record everything we do now so people can watch it on demand. Mm-hmm. And that's the way people are learning. It's just a lot more efficient for them. It's just so much more efficient and a good use mm-hmm. of time. And first
0: time this year in our faculty retreat, thirty to forty percent of our attendees were our off-campus clinical faculty, which would have been
1: unheard. You're right because of pandemic. See, yeah, good. This this is great. You you really given I think a lot of people a lot of great advice. I can do this. We can do this. Um, I don't need to have shoulder all the burden of creating things myself. You're in a community. We've got you. If you're out there thinking about what to Mm -hmm. do, you can get in touch with Dr. Newton Vaidya at the Chicago Medical School. Newton, what's an email address that you would like? Okay, it's Newton, Newton, N-U-T-A-N dot Vaidya,
0: V-A-I-D-Y-A at RosalindFranklin.edu. It's
1: mouthful, but... Okay. Well, you can find that on the facultyfactory.org website. I'll leave a parting comment to you. I love being here.
0: It is wonderful. And I wouldn't go as far as saying as advice. I think this is something um, we all are in the same storm. May not be everybody's boat may not be the same, but it's the same storm. Um, so we all
1: learning from each other. So Very well said. Thank you so much, Newton. You're great. I appreciate everybody coming. Check out the uh, facultyfactory.org and Faculty Factory Podcast. See you next time. Thank you, Newton. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to Faculty Factory Podcast. The mission of the Faculty Factory is to build and support a community of leaders in faculty development who share tools, resources, wisdom, and encouragement in service to our faculty members, schools, and institutions.